You're listening to Fan Holes, a Transformer comic book science fiction fantasy podcast made for the fans by the fans. It's terrific, lots of action, lots of comedy. Watch it now. All right, everybody, welcome back to Fan Holes. Glad to see you joining us again. As you all know, we broadcast as often as we can. We got a good show for you this week, a lot of good things to talk about. To start us off, though, let's go ahead and go through the Rogues Gallery of Fan Holes regulars. Uh, I myself am Tony. You may know me as Chainclaw on the Bot Talk Forum. Giggity yo, this is Brian, aka Breakdown. Hey, what's up? This is Derek. You know me as Derek WC. It's Mike. I'm Thunderwing. This is Justin. I'm better known as Grimlock. All right, cool. Got the standard cast here, which is always awesome. Got a couple of cool things to talk about this week. We've got our Beast Wars Anniversary DVD coming out soon. Not ours, but Shout Factories. We're going to talk a little bit about that, kind of go over some of our favorite Beast Wars characters, maybe even episodes, kind of go back into some nostalgia for a really awesome show. We're also going to go with some obscure video games. Not the games that you all know about that are really popular, not Street Fighter or anything like that. Some really good gems that you may have even forgotten or just never played. And to go off on an even more obscure tangent, science fiction guilty pleasures. Those movies or books or even TV shows you watch that just are so horrible, but you gotta love. And finally, in our segment known as For the Future, we're going to be talking about a little thing called Wonder Woman, TV show coming up on NBC soon. To start it off, we're just going to go ahead and dive right into some Beast Wars fun. Freedom is the right of all sentient beings, Megatron. Then they'd better stay out of my way. No for booting up cold. Will you just shoot him? Shout Factory is going to be releasing this DVD set on June 7th. And I know a lot of us are looking forward to it. We have a lot of fond memories of this show. I know it's all five of us have like gone over it before. What's really got you amped about seeing Shout Factory release this? They've done a, I thought they did a really good job with the G1 series. What do, what do you think about it, Justin? Are you like really looking forward to this? Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but at Beast Wars has been kind of hard to find in my area, I guess, where it's just a rural area. But even at big stores, it's been kind of hard to find. And it's been really obscure the past couple of years. And I never really got it on DVD. So I'm really looking forward to getting it and, you know, reliving it because there's a lot of episodes where I probably have seen them just a couple of times. So I'm really looking forward to getting back into it. That's cool. I have DVDs, so I'm not super stoked personally for it. But I think it's good that they're bringing it out. And hopefully people like Justin that didn't have it before have a chance now to get it. And maybe it'll even, you know, help to expand the fandom a little bit, get some new people introduced to Beast Wars. Yeah, I'm, yep. I'm, in the, I'm in the same boat as Brian. I already have the DVDs, you know, so I don't know if I'm going to buy it again. But, you know, it is good that it's getting a re release it's definitely worth it have they announced like what extras are coming out with it right now like so far there's just been like some tweets where i guess the guy that announced it on twitter was asking like hey is there anything we could include like does anybody have anything so i i know they usually try to make cool extras i know the the shout factory extras on the g1 sets were definitely different from the the rhino extras like you and mike i'm in the same boat i have the beast wars rhino sets already so i don't know if i'm gonna run out and buy the re-release but i'm kind of happy that you know if people haven't seen it you know like somebody like justin who or never got the opportunity to get the rhino dvds and he doesn't want to pay some you know high inflated you know, out of print price tag for them on eBay or, you know, Amazon or something. So I, I think that's a good thing. And as far as the extras, I'm, I'm not really sure yet. I imagine as it gets closer to June 7th, they'll have more press releases about, you know, what's going to be included. Well, I they think they throw thing. in like an episode of Beast Wars Neo and along with an announcement that they'll be releasing that next. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would actually be really excited about that, whether it's yeah. just subtitled, but I would prefer something dubbed. But I know 
we don't even get dubbed Gundam anymore, so who knows? But I wouldn't, but I wouldn't, would... I wouldn't mind like some stuff more with like the voice actors, because you know, like David Kay and Scott McNeil, like they they're really like fun people to talk with and stuff. So I wouldn't mind like a special with them or like commentary by them. Scott like McNeil's got a photo gallery of Vanessa Terzo. <laughs> or, oh yeah, uh, Venus. Yeah, I I think one of the reasons why a lot of people who don't have the DVDs already are excited is because Beast Wars for a lot of us was kind of our reintroduction into Transformers in a way because there was G two and the thing about it was is it was it was good but it was a lot of re releases of old toys. The cartoon, not to be mean, but it sucked just because it was just reruns with Power Master Prime and what was his name, Billy or Timmy Tommy. or something. Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> sorry, <laughs> it's all right. The kitty left you. in those wastelands alone. <laughs> Tommy, meet me on the abandoned bridge in the middle of Arizona. We'll talk about Transformers. <laughs> but yeah, but like Beast Wars was like a very much a reinvention of the series and everything. You know, a lot of haters say you know truck not monkey. And I'm not going to lie, at first I was like that. But then I watched, I believe my first episode that I really, really got into was called Guerrilla Warfare, pun pun. It had Optimus Primal get stung by Scorponok, one of the Predacons, Cyber Bee, which is a weapon he could infuse with various viruses, cyber viruses, if you will. And it made Optimus Primal pretty much go, again, pun not intended, ape shit. And he took out almost all the Predacons. And I've never really seen that before beyond Prime in the movie. And that kind of was just kind of cool. You know, you never really see... The the good guys really get to be badass a lot. I mean, what like you guys obviously have some favorite episodes. Like Derek, what was one of your favorite episodes? I was gonna go with Code of the Hero. I don't know if I'm stealing everybody's idea or just going with the popular pick, but my exposure to Beast Wars was kind of as follows. I remember watching the pilot, the two-part Beast Wars, on DirecTV. It was like a pay-per-view episode, you know, that I could buy. And I was kind of curious about it. I really like Transformers, so I was kind of interested in, oh, there's a new Transformers show? I should check this out. And I kind of watched it, and I, I think I had the same reaction that most of the, you know, truck not monkey people had at first, where I sort of watched it, and I went, okay, Megatron's a T-Rex, and then I heard his voice and i kind of went wow that doesn't that doesn't really sound like frank welker you know i was expecting you know i'll be a fish <laughs> like oh yes you know instead <laughs> i got the you know oh yes you know so i was kind of like well that doesn't sound like megatron and you know and so i i watched it and i i kind of you know thought oh, okay this is kind of interesting but i sort of forgot about it and then it wasn't until i think a couple of years later that i caught the agenda part Three, and it had all those kind of G1 references, and I was kind of really excited, like, wow, this is this is really cool. Like, I want to see more of this. I, I wasn't sure if it was in syndication or not, but it wasn't easy to find episodes back then, because I think it was like 98 or something. And so I, yeah, I like ran... Right before Fox Kids got it, I think, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. So I ran out and bought... Air Razor because Air Razor had a VHS tape that I think had Call of the Fusors on it or something so I could watch more and then eventually once Fox Kids got it and it was in syndication I started watching more of the episodes and that was kind of at the zenith of my college years where I was really heavy into acting and Shakespeare and so that's probably why Code of the Hero is like one of my more favorite episodes because the tie-ins between Dinobot and Hamlet and he basically every other episode was quoting Hamlet and that was just 
to people in that sort of theater crowd that I hung out with. It just made it much more layered show with lots of other references other than, you know, not only G1 for people who really were excited about that, but, you know, the literary references as well. So that's that was one of my favorite episodes, Code of the Hero. Yeah, it wasn't. I mean, that was totally like one of the most, I think, I hate to say iconic, but it really was because it really laid a lot of layer and depth into a character. Do you guys have any other episodes that like you have as much love for as Derek did? I mean, what about you, Brian? What was one of your favorite episodes? I figured everyone would pick Code of Hero, or at least they would want to. So I purposely picked Transmutate. And the interesting thing about that is as I was looking up info and I was re-watching it, most of the comments I saw on different boards were like, I like this episode, but it's no Code of Hero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of always a sucker for a story that pulls on the heartstrings with like a sympathetic character, maybe a little bit naive. I mean, that's exactly what Transmutate was. So I saw it, it was a really good story and you got like a cool look at Rampage. Like you got I was just about to say that, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, you got to see his compassionate side a little bit, so it opened up his character as well. Do you think it was ballsy of them to go with an ending where the sympathetic character, you know, basically dies instead of just being like, oh, no, transmutate and rampage go and have babies or something? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that thought, especially when it's mostly directed at kids, even though adults like us were watching. Like, it's a really, like, I don't know, powerful episode, pretty dramatic. And the only real complaint that I thought of, like, while I was watching it was that I wish it was a two-parter, just so you could have a little bit more time to see the character relationships grow a little bit between Silverbolt, Transmutate, and Rampage, and also you get a little bit more affection for uh, Transmutate yourself. Yeah, and I like the fact that Transmutate was, until the Beast Wars 10th anniversary, was not even thought of as a toy character. It was a totally original show character that actually kind of connected with people. It was kind of cool. Right. What about you, Justin? Out of all the episodes that they've had, did you echo the sentiment with Call of Hero or like something a little different? Yeah, I really like Code of Hero, but I would probably go with three-part agenda. I don't know if that's cheating because it's three episodes. It's kind of like you said in your introduction, Beast Wars was kind of a reintroduction for a lot of Transformers fans, and it definitely was for me because after Generation 2, like I didn't really buy a lot of Transformers. And I can remember being at Walmart, and I found a two-pack Optimus Primal Megatron where they were like, it was like a Batnam alligator thing. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... I saw that, and I was like, hmm, new Transformers? This is really neat. I didn't really even think about there being the show because there wasn't a G2 show. There wasn't a Machine War show. So I was just like, oh, new Transformers. This is neat. And I bought Rat Trap, and I was just flipping through the TV one day and saw Rat Trap. I was just like, whoa, there, so there is a show. This is neat. And oh, I tried to keep, keep up with the show, but kind of like Derek said, it was kind of hard to keep track of. Like, times seemed to always change on the satellite and everything. But I always liked the show, and like I missed Code of Hero the first time around and the three-part agenda that's what really got me into watching beast wars because that really pulled me in i was like well this is really great because you've got ravage he can talk and you know what's going to happen are they going to go back to cybertron and then he, t he turned into like a set tape and when i saw that i was like oh that's awesome i love that and then the whole thing where they went to the arc yeah that's probably my favorite episodes there yeah it's kind of interesting because when the show first came on to TV, like I wasn't really interested. I think just in general, I really wasn't interested in watching cartoons at all, let alone Transformers. All my non-Transformer friends would come to me and tell me, 
oh man, this Beast Wars show is awesome. So eventually, it was around the time that the DVDs got released, I'm like, oh, I'll just go ahead and take a look at it. And I ended up buying the first DVD set, and I really got into it. And it was almost better for me to do it that way, because in, instead of like randomly seeing an episode possibly out of order on TV, I was able to watch everything in order the way it's meant to be. So I think mm-hmm. I really ended up enjoying the series a lot more than I might have otherwise. I know like a lot of people were talking about how you know the whole truck, not monkey thing, it got old after a while. But the toys really did kind of evolve from Generation 2, where they're starting to do like more articulation, more details. As far as toys go, I'm going to totally take some flack for this because he was not a popular character. He was never even on the show. But I have to say, one of my favorite characters from the line, to go out on a very obscure note, is Baboom. <laughs> nice. He was really well articulated. He was a big figure. He's a part of a size class that doesn't exist in Transformers anymore. It's called the Mega Class. They're like $15 figures. Not as big as what you would call a Voyager now, but a little bit bigger than a Deluxe. And he was a really nice figure. And probably the reason I enjoyed him so much is he was a triple changer, which was really weird for a beast. (laughs) He could turn into a baboon and then a weird weapons platform, which was even made even more kind of awkward because on the instructions, other basics could ride him as a walking... <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Kind of awkward, kind of sexy. And his weapons platform had a face, which was also interesting. And, of course, he turned into a robot, a very big, kind of tough-looking robot. For all those fans out there who do keep up with the uh, Japanese series, he was obviously Apache in Beast Wars 2 and had a much larger role. And I kind of felt bad that he wasn't in the actual show proper because I thought there was some potential there. He was this kind of gruff-looking guy, and he was the only Transformer toy I think I could ever remember that had a flat top. So that was kind of neat. Brian, I think you were wanting to talk a little bit about the toys, too. I think you had a lot of good memories of them, too. Well, with what you're saying with that toy not appearing in the show... It was kind of nice when the Beast Wars comic came out because, like, secondary characters like Razorclaw and stuff got some more, you know, not screen time, but panel time. So that brought their characters to light. And I don't really like the Razorclaw toy, but some of my favorites... Yeah, sorry, Razor Beast, everyone. My wife collects turtles, so to help fulfill both her collection and my collection, I ended up buying both the Beast War basic-sized turtles. One's Snapper. <laughs> One's, like, an al- a cross with an alligator. I don't remember his name. Interrogator? Yeah. I also really like Armadillo because of his color scheme. And I like when the uh, animal mode is, like, so visible in the robot form. I think it really looks cool. Made him look more actual bestial and stuff like that, yeah. No, Derek, you uh, haven't collected Transformers for a while. Did you actually get into Beast Wars, the toys, or just the show? I actually, like I said, when I first started trying to watch the show, just by default, I remembered in the back of my head, like, oh, yeah, didn't I see? A Beast Wars toy with VHS tape that had some episodes on it. Oh, yeah, Air Razor, yeah. So, so basically I was like, oh, cool, I'll go buy that. And so that, that was my first Beast Wars toy was, was Air Razor. I, I have to say, for the most part, when I was thinking back on the Beast Wars toys that I had, the, the ones that I liked the most, I think, the one I liked the most was probably Transmetal 2 Megatron. It reminded me the most of an older, maybe G1 toy. I mean, obviously most of them were much more plastic-based, but I remember thinking it had a sort of intuitive way to transform it, whereas for the most part, by the time I was collecting Beast War toys, I was in college, and I didn't really have the patience to learn how to transform them, whereas I guess with a lot of the older G1 toys I had, I had done it so much, you know, I had it memorized. So... 
Transmetal 2 Megatron was probably one of the few Beast War toys where I transformed it back and forth enough times where I actually liked it and the way it looked. It kind of reminded me of G1 Grimlock a little bit in the dinosaur mode. So another thing I was thinking of was, you know, it might be kind of cool. I don't know if, if Airhammer ever did this or not, but, you know, it might make a cool Digibash, you know, the Transmetal 2 Megatron, at least in the dinosaur mode, to try and make him look a little like Grimlock or something like that. I but, think I remember yeah. a lot of fans actually have stated, even ones who are not big Beast Wars fans, one of their favorite toys from Beast Wars was still Transmetal 2 Megatron because he was very symmetrical. He didn't have, you know, a dinosaur hand, you know, dinosaur face for a hand, and he looked kind of G1-ish in a lot of ways as far as very streamlined. He, he you know, he looked very much like a robot. One of the Transmetal 2, Transmetal things, if you uh, guys remember, is like they had very more animalistic robot modes and very mechanical vehicle uh, vehicle slash beast modes. But yeah, I always like, yeah, I always thought that was a great toy. I still had like, of the three Beast Wars toys, I still have I, Eggplant Face, Optimus Primal, Transmetal. <laughs> I have Megatron, Transmetal, and I have, of course, like I said, Baboom. <laughs> Mike, we were just reminiscing about the toys. Was there any Beast Wars toys you really got into, really, Doug? Yeah, Transmetal Tarantulas. Oh, is probably Yeah, not only is Tarantulas my favorite character in Beast Wars, but his toy is, the, or the Transmetal one at least, is probably one of my favorite Transformers toys of all time. Just for the fact that it's like 99.9% like show accurate, it's like almost perfect i even i bought the japanese version because it went that extra step to make it perfect the american one has the two optics even though like tarantulas has a visor in the show and the japanese version paints in a little like that little gap between the the the, uh, optics so it looks like a visor so (laughs) i have three versions of that mold i have the american one the japanese one and then the fox kids gray zombie repaint Oh, cool, cool. Which, which I get, they repurposed that in the uh, BotCon comics as post-death Vok-possessed zombie tarantulas. So that's pretty cool. Which, I which have I a question. Oh, go ahead. Uh, what's the uh, Fusor who's like, I think it's supposed to be maybe a woolly mammoth and a whale or something? Oh, Torka. Yeah, I have him boxed, and he looks awesome in his, like, Fusor beast mode. Is he any good as a robot? Actually, he's pretty pretty solid. He's he's an elephant and killer whale. Okay. And I I liked him. He he's he again. He was kind of like Baboom in the fact that he had a very solid solid stocky kind of build. And was he rideable? He was not rideable. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. And, and and to go again into the Japanese series, he was actually one of the Blendtrons. I think he was. Oh gosh, Elephant Orca. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he was actually a herald of Unicron in the uh, Beast Wars Japanese series. Was it not Elephant Orca? What was it? No, I think Mike's talking about the episode. Oh, okay. But yeah, they were actually emissaries of Unicron who, like, you know, were bringing darkness and all that stuff. So he actually got a lot more play in the actual Japanese cartoon than he ever did over here on these shores. He never even showed up once. But yeah, he's a cool toy. I would I would keep him myself. Tony, funny you're mentioning, like, Fusors, because another of my favorite toys is Injector, and it seems like every single Transformers fan ever hates Injector, but I just think he's awesome. <laughs> the fish bug head. I don't, I don't know. I just think he's an awesome looking figure and like an awesome looking character. So yeah, he, I've got like an affectionate a love for Injector. I have he has like on my ball on his card. He has a horrible name in Japan. It's like Rata 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 or something like that. Yeah, it makes, yeah, it makes no goddamn sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, we we accidentally I think steamrolled you accidentally on the favorite episode. I did it purposely. <laughs> so, oh, Brian. I was going to say Code of Hero. No. No, uh, actually, I generally consider Code of Hero to be 
in general, probably the best single episode of Transformers ever. I mean, it, like, that's a, a generality, I guess. But my favorite episode is The Agenda Part 2. Not Part uh-huh. 3, but Part 2. I just like, like, every single scene in that episode is awesome. Like, it starts off with Primal, like, yelling at Silverbolt, and I thought that that's a great scene because you barely ever see, like, the leader, like, I never remembered, like, Optimus Prime ever, like, disciplining his troops, and Primal, like, basically, you know, calls Silverbolt into his office and, like, says, you know, you've been screwing up and I'm getting sick of it, so shape up or else, you know, and I'm benching you right now. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then, like, Inferno, you know, gets his, like, big exit scene. Although, you know, since the show was renewed, you know, Inferno came back. But, like, that would have been awesome if it was his final death. I mean, because it shows him getting disintegrated. So, you know, they were probably thinking we might not get renewed so we can kill everyone off. Well, we we probably were just spared the injustice that was Scavenger from the toy line. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, in Scavenger's defense, it's not a bad toy. It's just a like shelf warmer like yeah he was everywhere in walmart when he came out i was like oh look. and you know what the thing that is funny is if they had actually just called him inferno transmetal he would have sold like hotcakes it's true yeah well no then again you know the the original inferno toy was a shelf warmer too yeah but, true. Uh, yeah. but he probably would have sold better yeah and, it's funny it's funny that you bring up inferno being a shelf warmer because by the time i got into watching the show basically all i could really buy were the transmetal 2 figures but i i was always very character driven even as a child with what what figures i would buy and so since he was such a shelf warmer, I was actually able to get a Inferno toy as well because he was still, you know, he was still lying around there on the pegs and stuff. <laughs> Do you like his character? Inferno? Yeah. I, 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 to me, it's like I did because it was kind of like I always kind of got into the whole, you know, he was mindlessly loyal, you know, sort of that, you know, you kind of cracked me up about the whole, you know, for the royalty, you know, <laughs> like, so, I mean, I was definitely into that, but I, I think I, I sort of have a mindless adherence to, you know, when I, when I did collect toys, it, it was very much, you know, oh, season three of Transformers, I, you know, made it up, you know, an effort to, I want Hot Rod, I want Rodimus, I want Cyclonus, I want Ultra Magnus, I want Wheelie. Do you know what I mean? It, it might be that people are like, oh, Wheelie's lame, what the hell's the matter with you? But to me, I'm yeah, like... not a lot of people were like, I want he, Sonar. You know, like, he was he was on all the episodes, so to, to me, it's kind of like, I think Baboom wouldn't have been a figure I would have been all over unless I had seen Beast Wars second, if that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah. To me, yeah. like, I, I'm kind of like, when I watched some of the shows i was kind of like dude i want Tasmanian kid i want stampy the penguin or whatever his name was you know like those guys you know were all kind of stand out you know main characters to me oh well, so after i would have been uh, more inclined to buy inferno if he'd been a basic because like even now i have like this vivid memory of like going to the store and passing over his red giant amp butt like <laughs> repeatedly and not buying them so inferno <laughs> he of the propeller thruster ass <laughs> I was always disappointed that his toy didn't come with that awesome giant, like, flamethrower cannon he had on the show. It just had, like, a little piddly missile launcher. Yeah, it it came with it, quote-unquote, but yeah, it was nothing like the show. The show made that gun look so awesome. 
Did did Rhinox have his Gatling guns in the toy? He I never... actually had he had a rotor spinner. It looked like the front of the Gatling guns of Doom, but all it had was two chains and like two uh, maces on it, and it spun around. It was and it was uh, pointed it up instead like of a forward. Kitchen utensil. It's only cut up the south. Rhinox says you're gonna love my nuts. Slap chop. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I. I was going to say, Derek, like you said, like, if you saw, like, the character on the show, you'd be, like, more inclined to get them. Well, like, I never really cared about, like, who was it, Snarl or Optimus Minor or uh, Razor Beast until I read the IDW Beast Wars comics. And then, like, now Razor Beast is, like, one of my favorite Beast Wars characters just because, like, I really like him in those comics. Yeah, I think Derek like was also agreeing with like at one point that Razor Beast was probably one of the best things about that entire thing. I mean, I don't want to wrap this up because Beast Wars again, everybody has so many great memories. But man, if we talked about, it, we'd be on here all night talking about Beast Wars. Come bust to move where the games are played. It's chill. It's fresh. It's Noah's Arcade. What do you think of that? I'd have to say, Asphinter says what? What? Most of us, if we're not gamers now, we've been gamers in the past, and there's just been these games that we just really liked, even if not a lot of other people liked them. Like I said at the beginning of the show, you have your Street Fighters, you even have your like more recent games like Halo and Call of Duty and all that. Great games, everybody loves them, but there's just certain games that people just really love playing, even if no one's ever heard of them. I, you know, know me, me myself, probably one of my favorite games I used to play back in the day it's probably not as obscure as most of yours. It was really pretty popular, but not a lot of people remember it now, it seems like. But I loved Chrono Trigger. It was a great RPG. Awesome, awesome game. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was done by, unless I'm mistaken, the uh, character designs were done by Akira Toriyama of Dragon Ball Z fame. It's a very non-linear game. You can do a lot of stuff in it. You're walking around trying to solve, like, not only puzzles, but the fu- <laughs> the future. A lot of cool characters you have. Future characters, robots, mecha, you have past characters. The One of the best characters in the game is Frog. He's a knight's apprentice who gets turned into a frog, bipedal humanoid frog, and he becomes a great swordsman and stuff. It's just, there's so much depth to it. The gameplay is awesome. If you guys do any kind of emulators, any of our listeners, if you do any emulators or anything like that, or if you just have a Super Nintendo sitting around your house that still works, I would definitely say pick up Chrono Trigger. It's a great, great game. We made it for DS with, like, updated graphics and sound. Like, I'd seen it played at my friend's house on Super Nintendo. But the first time I actually owned it myself was the DS version. So people can get it that way, and it's a great update. Awesome. Actually, since you're talking about what what was probably one of your favorite, like, obscure games that, like, people don't really play? The one I picked was actually Snatcher. Has anyone ever heard of that? I've heard of it, but never played it. Okay. It was on Sega CD. Did any of you have Sega CD? (laughs) Oh, it's the one with uh, the different strokes girl, right? Or is that Night Trap? (laughs) No, it's Night Trap. (laughs) Snatcher had a bit more cool cred to it than... Freaking oh, Dana Plato. <laughs> it was, it was actually I, I was all excited for Kimberly from Different Strokes. <laughs> What's and the running around. <laughs> Anyways, I think part of the reason Snatcher is so unknown it was because it was for Sega CD, and uh, at the time all that film motion video game crap was what was popular. This is actually a game by Hideo Kojima, which is also the creator of, like, the Metal Gear series. And he wasn't real well-known at the time. The only game he had out that was popular at that time was the first Metal Gear for NES. And I doubt anyone even realized, like, who Hideo was 
until uh, Metal Gear Solid came out. But the game's basically a cyberpunk adventure. If you picture, like, Blade Runner as a animated video game, that's kind of basically what it is. Hmm. You play a detective called Gillian Seed, and he basically hunts down these body snatchers. And the body snatchers are, like, Terminator robots, but they can get skin and, like, hair, so they, like, basically replace people. And it's it's all done in the first person perspective, but it's like menu based. Like you'll go into a room and you'll you'll get like a menu with five options on it. It's like investigate, look, talk, ask, move. So you just go around putting pieces. Kind of like Shadow Keep from Nintendo. Uh, I never played that. Okay. <laughs> but it definitely could be. Anyways, the animation's really good. It has like voice acting. It's all really well done, and it's just a really a. Kind of obscure, but has a big cult following, but a really solid game. Is there any, like, possible B or even C-list actors we may recognize from it? Oh, I bet the guy that played Gillian Seed is well-known, but I don't know his name off the top of my head. Oh, okay. There, there's I, some I, homework for our uh, listeners. Uh, look it up on I, IMDb. Uh, Gillian, what's his name? Seed? Uh, yeah, Seed. There's yeah, a guy but... named Jim Parks. He's the only one with the Wikipedia entry, I think. <laughs> the rest of them went on to do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's funny you bring that up, because I still remember, not obscure, but the worst game I ever played on Sega CD was Sewer Shark. Can you remember that? I love that game. It's it was, the game that came with the system. It was fun as far as the game, but I just hated the cutscenes. It was just like, it was just this horrible, futuristic talk, like, way to frag out, you dumble tweed or something. <laughs> I just remember repeatedly being call, or told they were going to turn me into tube steak. <laughs> like over and over that doesn't so want to make like you on, kill things um, on Snatcher do they ever come out and just go seed seed <laughs> when you die or no nothing like that <laughs> oh okay uh, Derek you, you, you have to like go with your game on that one man I was going to pick a Gundam game one way or the other I think <laughs> I was itching to talk about it but what I decided to go with was on the PSP there is a Mobile Suit Gundam, Gundam vs. Gundam game, and that's actually an arcade port of the arcade game, which would have been really sweet to actually play in some Japanese arcades. Basically, it's kind of a simple fighter game almost, but it's got really, really nice graphics, and you can play as pretty much almost any Gundam you can even imagine, uh, even all the way up to the most, well, not Unicorn, but up to the most recent Double O on the PSP version. And what's really kind of nice that always got me into it, and it might sound kind of weird, but for me, I'm, I'm kind of superficial about games. And every time you play a certain Gundam, they will play the, the main theme music to that show. So, oh, cool. you know, so basically, you know, if you're if you're playing Wing Gundam, you know, they'll play like the main theme song to that music that's playing in the background. Or if you're playing as Amuro Ray, you know, it'll you know, they'll be playing, you know, the, you know, Gundam theme song and everything like that. The only theme song I don't think they have the rights to use is the one from Zeta, because I guess there's all kinds of legal complications with that. But I, I just think it's a fun game. It's kind of like a fighter, but not really. It's more like you're in in real time. Time kind of zooming around a locale and you're just basically taking out all the different machines that are on your playing field so like sometimes guys are on your team so sometimes it's kind of like the the dynasty warriors in a sense that you know you've got 
you know, you might have a, a turn A Gundam on your side, but you'll you'll be in a certain world, you know, whether it's like the Wing Gundam level or the, you know, the ZZ Gundam level or the Victory level or whatever level you're in. You might be like on the moon fighting with, you know, Char Aznable or something like that. But once you beat all the guys in that level, you'll you'll continually move on to the next level. And uh, the final boss is the Devil Gundam. So you spend a lot of time, you know, jumping around and trying to like whack the Devil Gundam's head and his arms will come out and beat you up. And then there are all these spikes that come out and everything. So it's kind of a pain in the ass to... um to beat up the the Devil Gundam, at least from my perspective, but it's one of those games where you don't have to invest a lot of time in it. It's it's a it's a time killer, and it's just kind of really it's kind of like playing you know any of the Marvel versus Capcom games, but with Gundams in a way. Um, so, there uh, is a um, Gundam Dynasty Warriors game for PlayStation Three. Have you ever played it? I have the first one, but I haven't gotten the sequels yet. Is this yeah. PSP thing better than those, you think? It's more fun. Like, it's... I, I think the Dynasty Warriors game is more about shooting a bunch of cannon fodder. You know, like, right. you have mounds and mounds and mounds of people coming at you. With the the fighter, it's more like... It, it's more like Marvel versus Capcom in the sense that... You know how you have, like, you know, your three guys and you're fighting against three other guys? It's more strategic like that where you okay. you know you are you know in Amaro's Gundam you know and you're just fighting against maybe three or four other guys and then maybe maybe two more might show up and then you're done with that you know quote unquote fight stage or level or whatever and then move on to the next one uh just a random question just idle curiosity I'm not a as huge of a Gundam fan as you are. Um, I do like Gundam. I think it's a good series. I've seen Wing and all that. Is it pretty accessible even to not really huge Gundam fans? If like you knew what Gundam was, you enjoyed it, but you weren't a huge fan, would you still like totally recommend it? Like great fighter or great you know strategic kind of game? Uh, it's not very strategic per se. It's it's kind of just a simple fighter. Like I I would recommend it just in terms of it, it'd be the same as if you were playing say Marvel versus Capcom and you know you don't happen to know who all the you know I know more of the comic guys than the Capcom guys. So when Marvel vs. Capcom 3 would come out, I'd ask my my gamer buddy who knows a lot of stuff, I'd go, who's that wolf guy? Like, who's that, you know, or, you know, I'm, you know, when Marvel vs. Capcom 2, the first time I ever played it, I'm like, what's with the big cactus guy? Like, who is that? You know, like, those kind of things where I don't know those characters that well. And so, to me, it's the same thing. You you might not be familiar with all the different levels or, or versions of the Gundams, so maybe there will be certain subtle things you might not appreciate as much. But I think once you get to anything you do recognize, you'd be able to appreciate the effort that they put into just to make you have a really cool, fun, fighting game atmosphere. Derek, is the Windmill Gundam in it from G? <laughs> No, the windmill. Gundam. Damn it! No, no sale. No sale. Yeah. What it's, about tequila? What about tequila Gundam? No, no tequila Gundam. No, ah. it, it's it's most of the main you know Gundams it, it, and alternating between. So if it's like if you pick a UC Gundam, it's gonna be Amuro or Char. You know, like it's it's not gonna be. Well, I guess that's not true. I think there's like you can play as like the gun gun cannon and some other things, but it's going to be like some of the main. It's not going to be as obscure. You know, you, you'll get. In other words, like with Double O, you know, you get Setsuna's Gundam, and that's pretty much it. You know what I so, mean? Like, so it's kind of like main characters or cannon fodder, like kind of like random units, like the gun cannon and gun tank stuff like that. 
Yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's most of the, like, I I pulled up the wiki page just so I could have some reference and stuff, but, like, the main, they say it's, like, the RX-78-2, which is Amuro's main Gundam, it's Shars Saku, the gun tank, and the Dom are, like, some of the main ones from Mobile Suit Gundam. With Zeta, it's just the Zeta or the Mach 2. With ZZ, it's the ZZ or the the Kubli, you know, with Char's counterattack, you can either play as the Sazabi or the new Gundam. With F-91, you know, you can play as Seabook's Gundam or or Cecily's Gundam. So, you know, it's like that. that's basically like whatever you with with G Gundam, you've got the God Gundam, the Master Gundam. And then, of course, the boss is the Devil Gundam. So you can't play as him, but that's the main final boss. No windmill, no tequila. <laughs> I, I always enjoy it. It's the PSP, right? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's like the voice actors are in it, aren't they? Like, do, do you yeah. hear them like yelling? I, I always enjoy like, you know, because like I, I assume like you know, sets and like yells like I am a Gundam and stuff when he's doing combos and stuff like that. Yeah, I think I, I'm pretty sure they, they, they have random and stuff. Like, I, I didn't play it or anything before we did this podcast, but I just remember it was one of those games where I had a good time. I, I would mess around with it, like, coming on the ride home from work on the BART sometimes or whatever, and it's just, you know, it, it's nothing where, like, if you... Because sometimes I would get too invested in games. That's why I stopped playing them on train rides home, because I'd, like, miss my stop because I was too busy playing, like, <laughs> in a and shit, and I'd be, like, halfway out of my way where I'm like, oh, fuck, I gotta turn oh, around. Oh, no, I'm in Compton. You know, yeah, exactly, so I gotta, <laughs> right. you know, not do that, but well, you're you're saying uh, Brian was saying Gundam Dynasty Warriors. I played the second one, and like I really enjoy like all those like character touches, like in Gundam <laughs> Dynasty Warriors, like like Camille and like Shinasuka like become best buddies, and it's like why wouldn't they be best buddies? They're like yeah. the second bananas, you know. It's I love stuff like that. Yeah, the, the only thing I was gonna say is it's an import, so the, it, all the voices are gonna be Japanese and not either Canadian or, or Los Angeles voice actors. Oh, it's it's funny you should mention like like that because that kind of leads into my obscure game i picked techromancer for the dreamcast by the name it kind of sounds like a sim game where you date robots or something like tech romancer <laughs> but I, I guess the japanese name was like just kikayo it's like the name of the main good guy mech in the game which is he's a pretty much a ripoff of like Mazinger Z or, or something, one of those old like mecha animes from Trans the, uh, or Z. Yeah, something like that from like the seventies. <laughs> but it's by Capcom and it's it was out in the arcade and it came out on Dreamcast. If there's one thing Capcom does right, you know, it's fighting games and this is like a giant robot fighting game and it's basically got like a ripoff but a representative of like all major almost all major like mecha anime in it. They're all, like, rip-offs, but you can obviously tell, like, who they're supposed to be. There's, like, a Gundam rip-off. There's, like, a Macross rip-off. Ava, Escaflone, like, you name it. There's, like, a rip-off or something in there. You know, it's a great fighting game. I don't know how... I guess it is. It, it's probably more obscure than, like... Well, obviously, it's more obscure than, like, a Gundam game because it's, a, like, a takeoff on that. But it's it's even in like when they released it in English, it's only Japanese with subtitles. But you know, if you're an anime fan, you're kind of used to that. And also, if you're a like real hardcore anime fan, you might recognize some of the voices. One the one of the bad guys in the game, his name is Shadow Red. Uh, he wears all red. He he flies a red mobile suit, or, or well, I should say a red Escaflone ripoff. <laughs> and he's actually voiced by Shuchi uh, Ikaida, who voiced Char Aznable in Japan. 
which is pretty awesome. <laughs> but and like he turns out to be like the main character's father in the end. But like he pretty much plays the part of like Shar Aznable in the game. It, it for a fighting game, it has a actually pretty deep story. All the characters have like multiple paths they can take. All the characters have like two alternate endings based on what path you take, and like there's a good ending or a bad ending, and some of the endings <laughs> are really depressing. Like one of the endings, it turns out the guy has been dead since like your third fight, and it, like all the <laughs> fights since then have been in his head. <laughs> and um, that okay. reminds me of, like that dream or what was it, the Sega game where like Spider-Man gets like turned into like a vat of acid or whatever it is from by the Kingpin by the end of it or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly like that. Yeah. It's like, it's like Simon's quest where you fight all this way through it and you do all this stupid crap and then in the end they're like Simon has defeated the count and now you're dead. <laughs> I, I always loved that Spider-Man game. I always loved how like blasé Spider-Man was after Mary Jane fell into the acid. He'd just be like, "Kingpin, you're going away." And damn you, you killed my wife. Yeah. <laughs> but um in any case, uh, the gameplay itself for Techromancer is really good. It's kind of basic, but it's like that basic, like, Smash Brothers kind of basic, where it can be, like, so deep. Like, it's so basic that it's deep almost. I, it's hard to explain. It's kind of like Smash Brothers. Like, you've got a simple control setup, but there's so much, like, to do with timing and stuff like that that it just it works. It's got, like, all the stages are, like, appropriate for giant robots. Like, you fight in cities, and you can, like, crash through cities and stuff, and you see stuff getting destroyed as you trample it. If both of you, like, you and your opponent fire a beam at the same time, the beams clash, and you have to, like, jam on the buttons to see which beam will win. Or if you're, like, fighting up close and you both hit, like, the same punch button at the same time, it goes into, like, that, like, you know, Dragon Ball Z, like, grapple animation, and you have to, like, jam the buttons to see who wins the grapple. And it's all very cinematic, and it's very nice. It's it's a, I, it's a must-have for any, like, mecha fan. I was going to say, I've, I've spent an insane amount of hours playing it. It's just totally awesome, and it's probably pretty hard to get now. Like I said, it only came out on the Dreamcast. And, like, yeah, I know your best bet is maybe, like, an emulator now, because as far as I last I checked, which wasn't too long ago, it was going for, like, an insane amount of money on eBay now. But That actually, uh, actually kind of sounds like, I don't know if you ever played this game, SNK, their off-lamented uh, Neo Geo console. They had a game on there called King of the Monsters. Any oh, yeah, idea? okay, yeah. Yeah, it sound, sounds very have, familiar. Did that have, like, actual, or was it like this, like, was it like Techromancer, where it had, like, rip-offs of, like, established yeah. monsters? Yeah, like, you had, like, kind of a like, Godzilla-ish monster. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Ultraman kind of character. Yeah, it was fun. It, I don't think it was probably as in-depth as yours it was definitely much more of an arcade fighter but uh, and also probably the graphics weren't nearly as good it was very uh yeah i think they ordered it for super nintendo yeah yeah, yeah. they did they did a lot of nsk games on uh, super nintendo it wasn't bad i mean in the arcade it was a lot of fun and it was, uh, the thing that reminded me of it was when you're talking about the uh clash because that's what they had they have this one point where you grapple with the other monster and you'd have to jerk the joystick back and forth and push the buttons like mad to uh either break or yeah. win the grapple yeah and That's also, cool, a, I was going to say another cool bit about the combat is once you bring an opponent down to like half their health, um, half their health on their second health bar, you get the option to do like a final finishing move that will take them all the way down to death. And like if it's a really hard move to hit, but if you get it off, it's like a neat like cinematic thing that looks totally awesome. Like think about like like the main character take like forms a sword out of his back and does like slashes them and does you know the standard anime slash them and end up behind them and pose and then they explode. <laughs>
It's really awesome. And the Gundam ripoff guy, he throws you into the air and does that, like, final upward shot that the RX-78 did at the end of the first Gundam series. So, oh, okay. Yeah, it's really awesome stuff like that. But, yep, Techromancer, that's my pick. Awesome, awesome. Man, I, you guys are, like, throwing some games I do know about a little bit and games I've never even heard of. Justin, man, you got to keep the ball rolling, man. Give me some uh, awesome game that I've never heard of. Have you ever heard of Little Samson for NES? Little Samson, no. Okay. <laughs> you win automatically. <laughs> I win. It's a obscure little game. Like, I'd never heard of it until about four years ago. Me and a friend were at a used video game store, and we were – he's a big retro gamer. We were checking out the used games, and we saw this black game. It was $90, and we are like, holy crap, what NES game is going for $90? And it's Little Samson, so I got home and read up a little bit on it and found the ROM for it. I have been playing it. Off and on for the past two or three years because there's places where I'll get stuck and give up on a boss battle or something. But it's kind of set up like it's a side-scroller, so it's kind of like a mix of, I guess, maybe Castlevania mixed with a little bit of Mega Man or something. But basically the story is there's an evil prince or an evil knight or something is trying to conquer the world. And the king sends four heroes out to stop him. And the neat thing about this game is you can switch back and forth at will in the middle of the game between these four heroes. It's like the warrior Samson. He's like... He looks like a little boy on the screen, and you can go between him and a mouse, a golem, and a dragon, I think, because there will be little stages where you'll have to use a mouse to go through tiny tunnels, and there will be a flying stage, so you'll have to use the dragon, but uh, it's a really great game. Really in-depth for, like, an NES game. And what's really neat about it is the graphics. It looks like, actually, it's really detailed, so it's like super Nintendo-level graphics. I mean, it's really... It's a really great game. It has really good graphics. Yeah, it was, I think, a pretty late release in the Nintendo cycle. Like, it was, like, 90s, mid-90s, I think. So that's probably why the graphics were so good. Oh, this was, like, a little bit of a later release game. Man, my mind's imploding with all the uh, possible video game awesomeness. It's a manhunt! A manhunt! Science fiction guilty pleasures. Everybody has these. Basically, like I said earlier, it's a show, a novel, a game even, which hopefully will not do games. You know, just anything that's like a science fiction story that so many people just hate and you're just like, I gotta watch it. I can't help it. It's something I have to see every week or even sit in one sitting and just take in as much as you can. That's why it's a guilty pleasure. What, what do you think is uh, probably one of your most guiltiest pleasures, Derek? The one I decided to go with for this week was a movie called Saturn 3. I don't know if any of you guys have seen that before. It's basically a sci-fi B-movie that was released shortly after the first Alien movie came out. So it was trying to capitalize on that. It was released in 1980. It stars Kirk Douglas and Farrah Fawcett. And they're kind of like the uh, Adam and Eve on this basic, like this kind of agricultural little outpost right by Saturn on one of the moons. And so... They're trying to create food and stuff for, you know, basically Earth is supposedly supposed to be screwed and they're trying to, you know, create agricultural advancements so that people can actually, you know, eat and live and so on and so forth. And what ends up happening is the people back home are kind of like, well, you got to speed this up. So they send out a robot, which was called Hector, and along with crew to help speed up the process. But what ends up happening is Harvey Keitel plays one of the guys <laughs> that's going to the outpost 
uh, with the robot, and he actually is classified as mentally unstable. So the captain's like, "Oh, you're staying home, Harvey Keitel," and Harvey Keitel basically throws him out the airlock. And so Harvey it, Keitel kinda, being someone crazy? No way. <laughs> right. What's kind of interesting though is what fascinated me when I first saw it. It was like a train wreck that I couldn't stop watching. Is Harvey Keitel is actually dubbed over by a British actor who some people might know from the fifth season of Angel. He plays Wesley's dad when he comes to oh. assess him oh as the, the Watcher Council. So That's you have this price. visual of Harvey Keitel and you're expecting him to kind of go, hey, I got this robot right here. I'm going to throw you out the airlock. Off you go. He's like basically going, I've got this robot for you. <laughs> you know, and you're just sitting there going, is that Harvey Keitel? Is Harvey Keitel really doing this perfect British accent? And you're like, no, 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 that's not possible. And so you keep watching the movie and, you know, it's just kind of fascinating. They were trying to exploit the whole Farrah Fawcett sex symbol for, for young male teens and stuff like that but they seems like they wrestled with it because it's like they don't really use it that much in the movie and the the actual hector they call it a demigod robot it's kind of like hal merged with a terminator and what happens is is harvey Keitel's character sort of tries to reprogram it and he does it using his own brain because i guess the brain of the robot is partly organic and so since he's mentally unstable and gets a big hard on for farrah fawcett like basically that <laughs> extends to the robot too so the robot runs around like killing their dog and like trying to kill this because you know he's with her on the the space station or outpost or whatever and it's just this really kind of crazy movie you know that I, I you know it was when i when i watched it i couldn't stop watching it i watched it with my dad i think on cable one night and i just said dude i gotta get this movie on dvd and like watch it again because it's like just that amusing to me. And I, I know, uh, I think a lot, I think it probably got like, like worst movie ever of the year, you know, like one of those Razzie awards or something like that. But I think it's great. So oh, it, it just has that, like that, from what you described, that vibe of so crappy that it is awesome. Yeah. Basically that's, that's kind of how I take it. It's, it's so, <laughs> so, so awesomely bad. So Saturn three, that's my pick. Sounds oh. terrible. I can't wait to watch it. How do you think you could top it though, Justin? Uh, kind of doubt that my pick was going to be dark shadows the tv show mm. i don't know if you guys are familiar with that now the the old one or the remake the one from the 60s oh, okay it's the only show i've ever actually been kind of embarrassed to admit that i watch because i have no shame i mean i'll admit i love super Sentai and godzilla and you know campy b movies and z grade movies but i guess the fact that it's basically a soap opera is what I found a little bit embarrassing. But it's it's a soap opera with some gothic elements. You've got vampires and ghosts, and you've even got some science fiction stuff in it because they go back in time, and they'll go to a parallel world and you know see what happens with all their parallel lives that the way they could have happened and stuff. But Dark Shadows is my pick. There's, there's just something about it. Like, I can't stop watching it. I guess it's that soap opera element because there's very little action. It's mostly just people talking and having conversations and trying to set up uh, ways to screw everybody over and stuff. But there's when I, when I sit down to watch it, I'll end up watching like 10 episodes, and I've wasted half my day watching it, and I'm kind of 
I'm still confused as to why I enjoy watching it so much, but it's definitely my guilty pleasure. I, I think one of my favorite things, and like nobody else but you will probably get this, there's a character called Barnabas Collins. He's like the, one of the main characters. He's a vampire. Yeah. yeah. And I used to love it because he had his little ghoul, who was Willie Loomis, right? Yeah. And like it was a given every single episode, Willie would be off either, I don't know, trying to take care of business or possibly masturbating. I'm not really sure. And he would just walk into the the Collins estate and he would go, Willie. Yeah, he's always Willie. Happy, really. Willie. <laughs> just so evil. Yeah, that's actually a really cool uh, Gilly Splitter. I wouldn't put it as my top one, but that actually would be pretty high. It's pretty uh, awesome. I can remember being in school, like, it, you know, Sci-Fi Channel used to run it to death, and I can remember being in school, and I would be like, you know, if my friends, if we weren't talking comics or toys or whatever, I can remember bringing it up once, and I was like, have you guys ever seen this Dark Shadow show? And they just kind of looked at me, and they're like, no, you know, they're like, oh, my mom watches that. You watch that? I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, and I'll be like, but did you guys read the new Clone Saga issue? <laughs> I would Is that when you first started it. drinking heavily? <laughs> That was heavily while that. watching it. That that's the secret origin of my my problem. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Uh, it, you know, if it helps, I, I, will, I will actually pull Justin out of the fire because mine actually may be worse than Justin's. I don't know about Derek's, but mine's pretty bad. It's actually a well-known kind of cult movie. Still a guilty pleasure. Get uh, a drum roll because I know a lot of people who are listening to this are going to know it. Battle Beyond the Stars. That's a Corman <laughs> movie, isn't it? Oh, it's so horrible. Yeah, it's a Corman movie. It was basically done pretty much on the heels of Star Wars. Star Wars was a huge movie. Everybody knows this. It made so much money. And I'm talking about the first one, not the prequels or anything like that. We're talking about the very first Star Wars. And this might have been released after Empire Strikes Back. I'm not sure. But it was definitely in the late 70s, early 80s. This movie was so bad in so many ways. Just for starters, just to go through it, because I know you can look it up on IMDb. You can look it up on Wiki. It's got so much cult fan love. The starship looks like if you... Look on it head on, like a naked woman with giant breasts and a giant ass, but made in a ship form and all one color. But if you look at it, you're like, that's a naked woman. And that's kind of disturbing to begin with. Also, it has such random characters that like you would not expect in a Roger Corman movie. It's got George Prepard, Hannibal, <laughs> from the A-Team, and he plays a space cowboy. <laughs> A legitimate space cowboy. One of my favorite scenes is, basically, it's been so long since I've seen it, but basically, your standard galactic conflict. Big bad, wants to overthrow the universe. Good guys rush in and all join together, even though they don't all get along. And, you know, they're not all on the same page, but they, they, don't, they want to fight for freedom. So they all join together. There's all kinds of random aliens. Jordan Part is my favorite, though, because at some point he joins in on the battle. He's got this old, antique, almost lunar lander-looking rocket ship that he fights in. And it's out of date. He gets blasted, and he's going to crash uh, into the planet. And as he's about to crash, he just decides it's a great time to pull out the harmonica and start playing a little ditty before he dies. <laughs> <laughs> Which I... It just so much cheese. As far as anything else I'd like to say about it, just keep an eye out for the, uh, I can't remember the name of the main ship. It actually has a name because it has an AI computer. And the, the funny thing is, is the AI computer has a sassy attitude. And the the main hero, he's always like, what? And it, the, I remember the computer's name is Nell, which always reminded me of Give Me a Break, Nell Carter. And he's always like, we got to attack. We got to fight for freedom. And, he's like, and the computer seriously is like, I don't know what you're talking about, but those guys got a lot of weapons and we ain't going to make it. <laughs> it is a lot of cheese. Actually, for the time, 
the special effects, especially for a Corman movie, aren't horrible. Are they good? No. I'm not going to sit there and say they are, but they suffice. I mean, it's, I would say it's uh, Battlestar Galactica levels, uh, like the old 80s series of uh, special effects. You know they're models. They don't look great, but you, you can suspend disbelief for like maybe a few seconds. It's a great cheesy view. If you're a hardcore science fiction fan and you want like great storytelling, not for you. <laughs> if you want to see something that's just going to make you laugh, oh, totally pick it up. Totally pick it up. <laughs> if somebody could be that, I, Brian, man, <laughs> save me from this horrible movie. <laughs> All right. I tried to think of a sci-fi either movie or TV series that I liked that would be Secret Shame. And I kind of came to the conclusion that pretty much everything I like is awesome. And anyone who thinks <laughs> otherwise is stupid. So uh, I had to go outside that those two mediums. And I actually thought back to an author like who I really enjoyed, like, during high school and college years. His name's Harry Turtledove. He actually writes what's called historical fiction. And just to give you like a brief sampling of the topics he covers, one of his book series is called Guns of the South. And it's basically about a time traveler who takes AK-47s back to the Civil War and sells them, <laughs> sells them to the southern states for money. Woo! <laughs> Let's have some fun. <laughs> It's an awesome series. Uh, <laughs> I read that book. The, the other, oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, I like it. The other main series I really enjoyed, I think it's called like World War, World at War or something. But it basically takes place during um, the, the uh, World War II and aliens invade. So instead of like fighting each other, everyone has to kind of like team up against this alien invasion. And what, the book series. Was it called uh, Our Worlds at War? No. No, okay. Um, that might have been something different, sorry. I think it just it's, I think it's just called World War. Oh. Yeah, it might just be called World War. It's like seven or eight books, and it's an ongoing story, and like ongoing characters follows the characters, and it's really good. Okay. <laughs> I, I might be able to beat you guys with cheese. <laughs> I, I struggled with this because I wasn't sure if it would be considered sci-fi, but then I figured it, would been, it had been repeating on the sci-fi channel for years, so I guess it counts. But my pick is the TV series Beyond Belief. It was basically a really crappy ripoff of the Twilight Zone. It was hosted by uh, James Brolin, uh, Josh Brolin's father, for like a season or two. And then it, the rest of the show, it was hosted by Jonathan Frake. So, and basically, I, I don't know if you guys ever watched it, but. No, it, no I was and, wondering and, when you were saying that, when you said James Brolin, you had me kind of reeling because I was like, I know about Beyond Belief. When you said no, Jonathan it, Frakes, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, he, he voiced, I think he hosted like the majority of the show, but uh, James Brolin was the first season or the second season really early on. But in any case, you know, the show, he told you five stories all with the supernatural element to them. And at the end of the show, you they told you which ones were real. And I used to love this show because I used to watch it with my mom and my dad. And like we used to like figure out, try and figure out which ones were real. And like at the end, it, it would like, you know, Jonathan Frakes would always be like, did you think this one was real? Well, if you did, you're a moron because it's fake. <laughs> and it's like, and it's like, shut up, Riker. You know that could have happened. But, up, uh, I remember that he was so like smarmy about it. It's like, yeah. so was this episode we just told you a horrible tale of tragedy, 
or was it a lie? Yeah, he always he always had like that like cheesy like yeah. It was like like if if, if he told a story about a boat, he was like like a. Uh, did you get on this cruise, or have we just told you a fish story? Yeah. <laughs> like, but I, I just have fond memories of watching that show. Like, and it, they repeated it for years on Sci-Fi, and uh, I, whenever it was on, I used to watch it. And like, I, I always thought it was like just a cheesy ripoff of the Twilight Zone, like a cheaper. I, I remember the the special effects seemed like even cheaper than the Twilight Zones, and the Twilight Zone was like twenty years before that. So, but you can see a lot of like i remember they were showing a marathon of it like a few weeks ago when i was watching a couple episodes of it on the the i, I guess it's airing on the chiller network now yeah. and i saw what's her face on it the girl who plays kaylee on firefly she was in an episode oh uh jewel straight yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I saw her, and then the, like you see like a bunch of like random actors every so often that you say, "Hey, they went on to do something much better." I feel better now, you know. See, but... I just I took my geekiness to a new level, and I just figured Beyond Belief was just what happened when Riker said, "Screw this Federation stuff." <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to be a Q. <laughs> and he's like, I want to alter reality and play with the minds of America. <laughs> it was just funny because at the end you were like, oh, we got to see which ones we got over right. Like it, it was like a competition with me and my parents, so like with not not between us, but between our family and like number one. You know, we we're like, come on, Riker, yeah, hit us with something. We'll guess them all. It was but usually like I the one said, that was like the most like ridiculous too. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and even the ones that turned out to be true, they they always said, like, part of this story is based on fact. And I was like, what part of the story? Like, there was there was a ghost in the car. Well, the car was true. They used a language. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Part of the story yeah. was true is that Jonathan Frakes was the host of the episode. <laughs> exactly. Okay, well, that's my pick. Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction. Nice. I remember watching it a lot. I think it used to come on like Fridays on, on Fox. So if I was home and not doing anything, I would watch it, and I would just I would do the same thing as Mike. I'd be like, "Which one of these is real?" And then you end up feeling like a moron if you get it wrong. And did, yeah. like Frakes was always like and like an asshole about it too. <laughs> yeah. <It> was like, <laughs> did you think this one was real? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, even a second grader could tell you it's false. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I just got hit in the head this afternoon, and I knew it one was true <laughs> i mean he, he makes you feel like a complete idiot when you when you get it wrong uh, did i mention i was Riker? <laughs> and then, even when he when he and when when it's when it's true he's like sort of like i don't know like it was like well uh, part of this story is true i guess like like he's like <laughs> like i said it feels like you're in a competition with him or something like, like, oh, you got it right. Similar to this happened, I guess. Yeah. He just like a supreme asshole. Was like, oh, you got it right, eh? What do you want, a fucking cookie? <laughs> it's like, it's your uh, show, man. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, that, uh, little, oh. little piece of trivia, too. The last season was narrated by Campbell Lane, who voices Rampage on Beast Wars. Huh. Not He wasn't the host, but he, like, narrated, you know... All the mm-hmm. the uh, commercial breaks, like, did you think this one was real? Blah blah blah, blah 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 blah. You know, and I'll eat your spark <laughs> <laughs> as well. Oh man, I gotta check some of that out. I am aware of Dark Shadows and Beyond Belief. Far Saturn Three, right? Yes, Saturn Three. Saturn Three, and just pretty much all the Turtle Dove books Brian was talking about. Gotta check that out. It sounds like some good stuff. For the future. <laughs> 
To move on from guilty pleasures to what hopefully will be just a pure pleasure, NBC, our For the Future topic this week, has released a picture of what will possibly be, we're all hoping it is, I'm pretty sure it's been verified, the uh, Wonder Woman costume for the upcoming TV show. I'm thinking it's looking pretty good, guys. What do you, what do you, what do you think about the costume? Justin I like Hatcher. it. Oh, Brian, what do you think, man? He jumped on board. He's I like, like it. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, that's about all I have to say. I mean, I saw some people on the boards getting upset, but I don't have a problem with that. I think it looks fine. I don't like it. I don't know. It, it looks, I don't know, the blue pants, I don't know. They. It, it looks, I don't know, not, it doesn't seem to match, I guess. I don't know. It looks kind of garish. Do you think, it's, are they are they showing costume shame or? Maybe a little, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> Mike's like, it's no Wonder shame. Woman, Wonder Woman legs, you know, you got to show, show her legs. I mean, <laughs> that's her thing. I mean, really. It's funny, but, though. I, mean, I think, the, the, I think with the all the. cleavage is okay, but. <laughs> I, I think with all the semi-feminist views on Wonder Woman, I think all those people seem to be happy her, her legs are covered up, I guess. I don't know. It, it, to me, I, I think the minute they had Jim Lee redesign her costume in the comics, it was probably done in a concentrated effort to prepare for this eventual TV release. So I was just kind of happy. I, I know you're saying you thought the colors were kind of garish, but... I was just happy they weren't as muted as that Jim Lee design was. The only the only problem I kind of have with it is I, I, I and this is just totally nitpicking is I, I don't like seeing the little commie red star on her chest or on her <laughs> like it's just it's just that's just me because it's like every time I see that on like Captain America or Wonder Woman I'm always kind of like it's supposed to represent the American flag. I'm all show me where there's a red star on the American flag and then I'll approve of, but you can't. So that, that, that no justice, my, no peace. <laughs> yeah. But, but other than that, like, I think it looks fine. I mean, I'm not really opposed to it or anything. I, I don't think it looks like a Halloween costume. Like some people mentioned, or, you know, I, I don't know, but that's just me. I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm more concerned about the actual content of the show than the costume. It's kind of like, to me, it's like going, hey, look, a shady politician is wearing an ugly tie. You know, I'm kind of like, well, you know I'm sure there's more things to be concerned about that are coming on the way, you know? Well, has there been, uh, I know we've seen the picture, has there been any releases about who's writing or even possibly directing the episodes, or is it just pretty much just teasers it's, right now? It's David Kelly who wrote the script. Oh, okay. So basically okay. most people are kind of... You know, doing the same accusatory thing of saying, hey, this is just going to be Ally McBeal with tights. The only thing David Kelly knows how to write is lawyer dramas, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Single female the, Amazon. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as far as the script that's been released, I guess a lot of people have read it and have made these little script reviews of it. I mean, I, I, I put some links on Bot Talk for people to look at at one point. I mean, my my take on it is it seems a little miffled you know like it just she she's got three different identities like she's she's wonder woman as a superhero in los angeles dealing with los angeles's reaction to her as a celebrity superhero she's also diana of themiscara who is a beautiful powerful executive ceo who runs her own company so she's not you know really an amazon per se you know what i mean she doesn't live yeah. on 
the island or come from the island or anything. I mean, I guess she does, but they probably just mention it briefly like, oh, yeah, she came from an island. But now she's a CEO of a mega conglomerate corporation. And then, like she's an immigrant. What? Hey, that's mean. What the heck? <laughs> like, and, then, and then she has another identity of Diana Prince on top of those two other identities where she's the, you know, mousy, I don't know, fights with pillowcases with other girls. I don't know. There's weird <laughs> stuff in that script, like where I was just kind of like, you know, whatever people read of it. The only thing I was slightly interested in was, I guess the main nemesis is supposed to be Veronica Kale, who is from Greg Rucka run on Wonder Woman. And it was a character he made to be the Lex Luthor of, of the Wonder Woman mythos, I guess was his, his edict or purpose in creating that character. And so I'm kind of curious to see how she comes across on television. But other than that, I mean, that that's kind of my take on it so far. Derek, would you be happier if Wonder Woman was wearing a bomber jacket in the new series? <laughs> see, it's interesting that you mentioned that because with the Jim Lee thing, I was expecting her to be wearing a blue bomber jacket of sorts. So who yeah. knows? I mean, this is just one promo picture. Like, she may very well end up having a jacket to go on top of that outfit. And then if it's as garishly blue as the pants, that might look kind of funny. Like, I don't know. Like, who knows? That could um, even be like her Themyscira gladiatress, I don't know, togs before she goes to the mainland or something. She's like, you know what really works in America? Panties. <laughs> I was going to say the funniest thing I've read about this picture, I forgot where I read it, but someone said, Oh, Linda Carter must be rolling in her grave. <laughs> Linda Carter's like, for three seasons, I'm going to course it on. <laughs> Jeez. And a scuba suit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the uh, I guess the uh, verdict is obviously still out because it hasn't aired yet. We have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, there's total possibility it could be like Smallville, get a good fan following, or it could be like Birds of Prey and die very silently after uh, half a season or a season. But I'm looking forward to it. It's a main mainstream DC comic character, and hopefully it'll do something. I mean, I want to see DC succeed somewhere, you know? Because the only thing they really have right now, it seems like, is Batman. Everybody's waiting on Green Lantern and all that stuff. So if they at least get a foothold on the TV franchise, I'm hoping it will open doors for stuff for, like, okay, I'm dreaming, but, like, The Question or, heck, even, like, Suicide Squad or something. You know, just something to kind of... Mix it up a little bit, but that is yeah. in the future, you know. We'll have to wait and see how it goes. I know right now I, I, I'm i going to wait to reveal my awesome thing of the week, but I think Brian really wanted to talk about something for his awesome thing of the week, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. I forgot for a second what I was so eager to talk about, but I do remember <laughs> now. I was going to talk about the new Scourge that came out. I know Mike had a lot to talk about as well. I really like it. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I like him. He's a great update of a, you know, I should say mediocre Gen 1 toy. So That's kind of exactly how I feel. Like, when I'd seen pictures of him, I wasn't too stoked about it. But I ended up getting him in a uh, an order from Big Bad Toy Store. And the he comes packaged in plain mode, so I still kind of meh about him. But once I opened him and transformed him, like, his robot mode, like, totally blew me away. It's like classic, classic Scourge. He just looks awesome. Oh, I was going to say, like, I I have no, a lot of people are saying, like, the plane mode, like, they're criticizing the plane mode. I have no problem with it, because it actually looks like a real plane and not like a flying bar of soap. <laughs> so, <No>. it's, it's <laughs> going to be any, like, pure, like, you know, hovercraft, not plane. <laughs> you know? 
But, <laughs> yeah. it, looked, it looked more like the pictures I saw of it looked more kind of like a, a Star Destroyer instead of, I guess, what you're calling a, you know, a bar of soap or a shampoo <laughs> bottle or whatever he, he is. He I don't, it looks like something that's like aerodynamic, I guess. I'm yeah, yeah, he looks he yeah. looks menacing now, which is a nice change. I always thought he looked kind of like I don't know, like this is an eight year old's mindset, so just deal with that. I always thought he looked like a white football, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> like just gonna throw a football in the middle of a battle with a red glow stick on top of his head. But yeah, I, I unfortunately have not picked up Scourge. He has not been available in my area yet. Thank you, Walmart, Toys R Us, Target, all these other stores. I did pick up Cup, which I thought was awesome. But yeah, I really want Scourge. I agree with you guys. I don't care about the plane mode. I think it looks fine. I have no complaints about it. I really love the bot mode. Very, very cool. What about you, Derek? Man, Anything cool running up in your uh, side of the fence? The thing that pleased me most this week was they restarted airing Batman Brave and the Bold, and it started off with the episode Battle of the Superheroes, which featured Superman's first appearance on Brave and the Bold. And I just want to say, like, that was terrific. I was really, really happy with it. I was basically in glee after I watched the episode. And my dad kind of stopped me and was like, what are you smiling about? You know, and I'm like, oh, there was a cool episode. Superman didn't uh, or look like a jackass the whole episode. He was, you know, it was pretty cool. Everything that happened in it made total sense, and I was really pleased with all the references, and I thought it was a great show. So that's that's my thing for the week. Random uh, question real quick. I didn't get a chance to catch that episode. Who uh, voiced Superman this episode? You know what? I have no idea. <laughs> it wasn't Tim Daly, though, right? No, it was no one recognizable. Okay, cool, cool. All right, cool. I Yeah, I love Batman Brave the Bold. I never get a chance to see it. I always forget it's on. It's that 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock time frame that I forget they actually do cartoons. It's like, except for Kids Next Door and flipping Johnny Test. <laughs> what about, uh, I know, stop forgetting. What about you, Justin? What's uh, going on over there? Currently I'm reading Smoke and Mirrors by Neil Gaiman. So excellent book, excellent. I'm almost finished with it, and even if you're just a very casual Neil Gaiman fan and you never got into maybe Sandman or his other novels, I think it's short story this collection of short stories would be a very good place to jump on and maybe get more familiar with it but i mean i love neil gaiman anything he writes so i had to pick it up i hadn't read it yet but i'm almost finished with it and i really love it if i'm not mistaken i don't know if it's angels of vegetations or smoke and mirrors i think smoke and mirrors is the one that has the uh, twist on the uh, snow white and wicked queen story yeah i haven't read that one yet. i'm still like a few stories before that one but i'm really okay i won't ruin it for you but it's really okay. good uh, yeah. No spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. Spoilers. Green Arrow sucks. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, I like Green Arrow. I'm just being facetious. Okay, I'm totally going to go out of the box and probably get a lot of anger directed my way for going a little bit out of the geek community. We had actually made a joke about monster trucks earlier. But this coming week, in eight days, there's going to be... Is it on Sunday? Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> it is actually going to be on a Sunday. Do we, do we really need all the Sundays? <laughs> true should suffice <laughs> yes i am a wrestling fan yes i know it's fake and i understand that and that's totally cool but wrestlemania as they call it on the uh, wwe is the granddaddy of them all and it's going to be coming up in about eight days not this week totally but the build has been awesome i don't know if any of our listeners enjoy wrestling but the rock has come back i just i'm really excited i like wrestling i like the drama maybe i like sweaty men grappling with each other that's probably something i should look to talking with with a psychiatrist but maybe that's your guilty pleasure <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> no i don't smell what the rock is cooking in that fashion um, but no i i really do like wrestling 
I'm basically not to give myself an out, but just to be honest, I watched it with my dad when I was young. It was always something me and him did. He passed away about 10 years ago, and I just kind of held the tradition, you know, and I enjoyed it. It's going to be a really good show, so that's my awesome thing for the week. By the way, folks, just to let you know, we are on email, and you can also hit us up on our blog spot, because we always like a little bit of feedback, a little bit of questions. Did we get did we get an email this week? I think somebody said we did. Yeah, we got one. I can pull it up real quick. Okay, cool. Okay, this message comes from Wrecker from the forums. says, hey guys, I have a burning question for you. Chibi-S Transformers, parentheses, RoboQ, MyClone, SD, and others. Are these Transformer fan-worthy according to the team? Also, Kidmeal Premiums. Do these warrant a spot in your collections? Thanks, guys. Wrecker. Huh. Okay, interesting question. I know uh, Derek is not a big toy collector right now. I don't know how he would feel about them. What do you, what do you think, Brian, Mike? Justin, any of you guys like the Chibi or the uh, more cutesy Transformers? Core Q, I think, is one of the lines. Just in general, like lately, I've been really trying to focus my attention more on G1 toys themselves or like classics and universe. So as far as personal tastes, all the toys he mentioned kind of fall outside my own preference. Okay, cool, cool. I was just going to say when I was collecting, toys i know i mentioned on this podcast how i was very character driven so i did at some point have a galvatron and rodimus i guess coro q toys because i like those characters so just throwing that out there right i even Um, just recently got rid of like all my heroes of cybertron guys and i consider those to be closer to what i like than the all these chibi toys he's talking about yeah i like those those mega svc or spvcs or whatever the hell they're called like i I used to have some of those yeah the posable non-transformable ones yeah yeah I, I don't hate the Coral Q. I mean, I think they're an interesting concept. It just, again, I mean, I have to agree with you guys. It's just not the kind of aesthetic I like. I mean, there's no dislike of what they're doing. It's just not really what I get into. I don't know. I think the closest thing I would possibly be into is, like, I think they're doing something with Hasbro right now called Creon. Well, it might be Takara, actually. It's like Legos with Transformers. That might be kind of cool. I don't know. I'm Yeah, I've just never really been into that kind of line. I like my Transformers look realistic, tough, like they're going to, kill something i don't know <laughs> right but hey you know what however though thank you record for sending us an email we have no problem answering anything you guys want to send to us we'll definitely try to fit it in where uh, time allows fanholes podcast at blogspot.com is where we're at look us up take a listen and feel free to email us there you can look up the link on that site anything else you guys want to talk about are we uh getting a little sleepy i'm tired even a yeah. two-year-old could tell you that we're getting sleepy <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> Sound like the professor's a little cranky. <laughs> yeah, me go get the bed ready. <laughs> all right, guys, we appreciate all your input. We appreciate you listening to us. And hey, check us out next time we're on board for a fanhole podcast coming your way soon. Thanks for joining us. Peace from Tony Chainclaw and Brian Breakdown, Derek WC, Derek Thunderwing, Mike, Justin Grimlock. Oh, the professor getting a little cranky. Gamma's getting a little sleepy, Cher. <laughs> <laughs>